Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hello, everyone. <laughs> You're um, not helping. No, I'm not. Um, the 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 week has been kind of um, scarce with uh, like any big news, but a couple of things mainstream that I do want to touch on real quick. The intelligence report, the U.S. intelligence report um, that everyone was kind of waiting on to really give us some more info about UFOs um, basically suggests that there is no signs of aliens, but it it also doesn't say that there is no signs of their like, you know, not at all like being aliens like that are existing among us. It basically is like, eh, we don't know. We don't think it is, but, you know, we're not too sure. And so everyone was kind of freaking out about that because the Navy basically has been releasing a whole bunch of footage about, you know, UFOs above their carriers and like all this other stuff. And so everyone was like, you know, basically like waiting with anticipation about this report um, and waiting for it to come out. And then, yeah. And then the Defense Department was like, yep, can't say that they're our aliens also can't say that there aren't. So I don't know. It, it was a very interesting uh, a week for any uh, UFO lovers, you know, just kind of waiting for this massive report that was coming and then to find out that the report really didn't have anything. Also, we have uh, a brand new iCarly trailer for the new Paramount Plus series. And I wanted to get your thoughts um, completely off topic compared to what we were just talking about going from but, your post to iCarly yeah yeah uh that's what we do here in the end of the borough but i wanted to get your quick thoughts on the uh trailer because i also watched it and you know it kind of looks bad but i want your thoughts wow <laughs> <laughs> um first of all i just want to point out that if you go onto the iCarly Revival IMDb page and look at the episode titles, one of them's literally called I Get a Divorce. <laughs> and, okay, so I I guess I liked it a little bit more than you did because I didn't think it was that bad. I, uh, we're all I didn't say anything. Our own opinions. <laughs> I heard you utter. He uttered, guys. He uttered. You heard it. But I, I like that they're updating it in a way to where it's more for an adult audience, kind of. I mean, it was weird hearing Spencer Shea say, damn it. But, I mean, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm kind of worried about, like, if they're going to be doing, like, the actual iCarly web series again. And it looks like they're going to be using the same jokes instead of updating that that's that's where i'm kind of having a problem with it yeah yeah it looks um it doesn't look different enough if that makes sense it looks like they're trying to touch on all like all the points and all the different um all the different like flair that made iCarly iCarly like initially and yeah that's like that's what made it so special, you know, to begin with. But um, it's been many, many years. And, you know, f- your your demographic for this, sure, like you can still hit your younger demographic, but you're 
demographic for this is people in their mid twenties. Um, you know, like it's us, like, hello, it's us here. And you kind of have to grow with us, you know, especially since we were the ones watching that show way back when, um, we were the ones that were kind of, um, holding that show up in viewership. So I feel like they should have probably, you know, made it different enough to where it seemed like it was actually growing with its audience and not like reverting back to how it was before. But yeah, it's kind of like how, what they do with Fuller house. A little bit. Like they try to make it like just different enough to where they can consider it like a whole new thing, Mm -hmm. but they just keep like recycling the same old like gags and jokes and storylines just with like a new cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate, but you know, who knows? We haven't seen the full show. Um, I think it's debuting this month on the 17th on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus and uh, you have some spare time on June 17th, you can go over uh, to that streaming service and watch it there. I'll probably tune in for a couple episodes. I know you're going to watch the whole thing. Probably. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to have to get Paramount Plus and I was really trying to avoid that, but... They got me. I, I can give you my password. It's fine. Yay. You're fine. Get get yourself some friends that have Paramount accounts. Give yourself get yourself some film critic friends that have access to everything. <laughs> Do that. Woo, perks. Um, and then uh, yeah, there there wasn't much, Linda. It was aliens, and it was iCarly. You can tell it's a slow news week when Jared tries to sneak aliens in there. Listen, everyone's wondering what we think about the report, the Defense Department's report. Aliens I, are real. The government is a lie. You know, actually, I, I'm i more inclined to believe that than anything that they say in their report. So, you, go. <laughs> you know, I, I, being a U.S. government, you know, eh, U.S. Eh. government's untrustworthy, but uh, just like with most governments. Um yeah, that's uh that that concludes the um the end. We're to gonna get kicked podcast. off. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we Zencaster's are. gonna be like, mm, no. Zencaster's like, mm, and you talk shit on the iCarly revival. We're gonna have to cut you out. We're gonna have to cut you out. <laughs> um, we've got uh, a pretty um slow news week, like I said, but there are a couple of interesting news bits that I'm gonna get to later on when I read off the news, and then. Uh, come back right after the break. We are going to be talking about um, A Quiet Place 3 that is uh, moving to a 2023 release date at Paramount. So we'll talk that and more when we return. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. 
Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Chris Evangelista of Slash Film writes, AMC Theaters looking to buy closed Arclight and Pacific Theaters venues. The pandemic has taken a toll on movie theaters. Earlier this year, it was announced that the Los Angeles Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters would be closing for good, including the famous Hollywood Arclight Multiplex on Sunset Boulevard and its iconic Cinerama Dome. However, AMC Theaters is in the midst of talking to acquire Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters venues. The Wrap has reported that AMC plans to raise $230.5 million for key acquisitions in the movie theater sector and confirmed talks to acquire venues operated by the now-shuttered Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters. We'll keep you updated about the acquisition right here on the Into the Borough podcast. Anthony D'Alessandro of Deadline writes, Paramount dates Jeff Nichols' A Quiet Place movie for 2023. Paramount has just put an untitled A Quiet Place movie on the calendar for 2023. This is the one that Jeff Nichols, director and writer of Mud, is both directing and writing, and which Deadline first told you about. It's not a threequel, but rather based on an idea from John Krasinski himself. The pick is very early in development and simply being billed as the next installment, broadening the post-apocalyptic world introduced by the first two films. The running total of the two Krasinski-directed movies stands at $432 million plus worldwide. Anthony D'Alessandro of Deadline writes, Mission Impossible 7 production shutting down due to positive COVID tests. The UK shoot of Mission Impossible 7 is pausing after a member of the production tested positive for COVID. The shoot will only stop for 14 days, though. Safety protocols are being followed with those impacted reportedly self-isolating. In the UK, 39% of the population is fully vaccinated. By comparison, in LA, they have 51% of the population fully vaccinated. Quote, we have temporarily halted production on Mission Impossible 7 until June 14th due to positive coronavirus test results during routine testing. We are following all safety protocols and will continue to monitor the situation, said a spokesperson for Paramount. Alexandra Del Rosario of Deadline writes, American Horror Stories, Ryan Murphy unveils cast for AHS spinoff series. Ryan Murphy has more scares in the works as he assembles the cast for American Horror Stories, which will feature Glee alum Kevin McHale, Poe's actor Dylan Burnside, and Riverdale's Charles Melton. According to sources, Danny Trejo has also been cast in the spin-off project. While the four actors will reunite with Murphy for the upcoming anthology series, another alum of Murphy Shields will join the project in a different capacity. During a panel for Ratched in August 2020, AHS and American Crime Story star Sarah Polson said that she will direct some parts of the series. Ethan Anderton of Slash Film writes, HBO Max's ad-supported tier doesn't include Warner Brothers' same-day theatrical releases. Starting this past weekend, you can pay a little less to get access to HBO Max if you don't mind watching commercials every now and then. 
the streaming service launched their ad-supported tier for $9.99 per month, or $99 for a whole year, which is $5 off the regular ad-free subscription of $14.99 per month. However, you'll be missing a few key features. The ad-supported HBO Max tier will give you access to the entire lineup of library programming from HBO, Warner Brothers, DC, Turner Classic Movies, Cartoon Network, and more, including Max Originals. You'll get all the bells and whistles of a typical HBO Max subscription, including profile customization, personalization settings, parental controls, and kid-friendly profiles. However, perhaps the most enticing piece of programming, at least for the year 2021, won't be available. Though a traditional HBO Max subscription gets you access to the same-day theatrical releases from Warner Brothers, such as this week's release of The Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It, and the upcoming In the Heights, the ad-supported subscription will not allow you access to those titles the same day they hit theaters. The ad-supported HBO Max subscription will also be missing the ability to download content for offline viewing, so if you're planning on taking a trip somewhere and want to watch HBO Max programming on a plane, train, or automobile without any Wi-Fi or data signal, you're screwed. All in all, it doesn't sound too bad for the price as long as Warner Brothers theatrical releases, offline viewing, and 4K video aren't sticking points for you. You can sign up for either of the HBO Max subscriptions on the HBO Max website. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support The Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Into the Borough podcast. Um, so as you heard in the news bit there, Paramount has just put an untitled Quiet Place movie on the calendar for March 31st, 2023. However, John Krasinski will not be partaking in this one behind the director's seat or in the uh, writer's chair. He will not be doing either of those. Instead, it will be Jeff Nichols who will be penning the script and also directing the film. Um, And, you know, it's based on John Krasinski's idea, and obviously Krasinski will most likely be producing it. Um, And so he'll have some level of ownership of what's actually happening. But, you know, it's like when James Wan produces The Conjuring 3 or when someone else produces something else and it just doesn't turn out right. Uh, And, you know, we kind of um, are wondering what's going on with this story. It's probably going to be completely separate. In fact, it is separate from everything that's going on with that family from A Quiet Place that we know. And so we're going to see a new side of this universe. And, you know, so it's not necessarily like A Quiet Place 3. 
it's more like a quiet place, you know, colon spinoff, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's really not a quiet place three, but it's just the third movie to come out in this universe. And so I, I imagine we'll get more news, re, you know, pretty soon, relatively about, you know, what Krasinski actually plans for uh, the family that we know and love from A Quiet Place, because that third movie will be coming. Um, but this gives, you know, a chance to expand the universe, to open it up and to explore new themes. And um, personally, like, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's create another monster universe. Yeah, why not? Um, how are you feeling about it? Uh, like you said, after what they attempted to do with the Conjuring movies with like Annabelle, the nun, things within the Conjuring universe that isn't exactly following the like whole storyline of the Conjuring, um, just kind of creating its own universe. It hasn't been working out very well, like at all. Um, and it kind of makes me feel like A Quiet Place Part 3 might not work out so well. Or maybe they know what, what kinks and what bumps the Conjuring universe went through and they're going to try to try to smooth that out. But I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like this idea. I don't think they should do it. Tell them to stop. um i will say jeff nichols did uh jeff nichols directed and wrote mud um starring matthew mcconaughey that's probably what he's most well known for um and i heard really good things about that movie you know um so it's not saying that he's a bad director i'm just saying it's probably not what you're going to expect from a quiet place and it might not feel the same just because the family's not there And so I'm saying temper your expectations and not necessarily that it'll be bad. Um, I'm just holding out hope uh, that, you know, maybe we see something new and exciting. But again, we're going to have to wait for a trailer for that. But is is it a surprise to anyone that they're doing, you know, installments now that are separate from the family? Because A Quiet Place Part 2 made, you know... I mean, if we're just talking about the total gross at the box office for the A Quiet Place films, the two that we've had, it stands at $432 million, um, plus some worldwide. That's a whole lot of money for Paramount. And so it shouldn't be a surprise at all that they're wanting to really capitalize on the property and on the name recognition of that property to catapult, you know, this huge franchise and try try to really make it something special um, and try and make it, you know, this, I, I guess this ultimate like cinematic experience that you can have, you know, at a movie theater. Great. I'm all for it. Uh, we need more monster movies. I've always been one to, you know, I don't usually like think about monster movies, you know, being horror a whole lot, um, but they are a lot of times. And they're really, people have a hard time, it seems, really making monster properties special. And so I'm so happy that Krasinski was able to do it and that we were able to get, you know, more mainstream monster picks. But at the same time, let's not, let's not like stray too far, you know, let's see what the trailer is and we'll judge it then, but let's not stray too far into like weird territory that like, 
it, it feels like completely different from a quiet place. I feel like you have to keep some of the heart of the film, um, which again, it's really weird to talk about because a lot of the heart for those films is with that family. And so if you take that family out of the equation, I don't know where you go, but I'm excited for it. And uh, we'll see what happens with that pick. I don't know. Do you think, is this worst case scenario for you? Or do you have hope that Jeff Nichols, the writer and director of Mud, will be able to pull this one, pull this one through? Man, you seem to have a lot more hope than I do. I'd hate to have it crushed. Um, it's your- <laughs> um, I, I guess I will say that I'd be interested if, like, A Quiet Place Part 3, since we have the introduction of, what's his name, Emmett? Emmett was mm-hmm. his name? I think it'd be interesting for a quiet place part three since they since they brought on the life and the story of Emmett in the second one that just came out. If they kind of go into his backstory and see like what happened with his family in the third one. It'll be oh. tragic and we already know mm-hmm. it happened, but I think it would bring a little bit more life and a little bit more sympathy to his character. It probably would. Um it would probably benefit a lot from that. And you make a really good point. That would be a good way to branch into new territory without straying too far from what we as an audience already know and what we already understand about this universe because you're keeping it, you're keeping that connection. You're not severing the connection with the family because eventually they do cross paths again, you know, in this kind of post apocalyptic, you know, hellscape that is a quiet place. They cross paths again. And so to go back to, you know, day one and maybe see what it was like for him and his family and, you know, him and his wife and just what a heartbreaking story that was, you know, that we got in a quiet place too. And so like seeing that side of it, it might actually make a quiet place part two feel more full. And in that way, what you're retroactively doing is you're making a really good third installment and then you're also retroactively going and making the second one a stronger film and so yeah that's probably actually you bring up a really good point about how they could really tie that together um yeah i would be interested to see some more killian murphy for sure Uh, i mean it could be like the rogue one of the a quiet place universe you know like rogue one a star wars story you know it's gonna end in tragedy but it just makes that storyline that much more special oh, don't even get me started on rogue one it's one of my favorite star I wars bawled. films i, I fucking love that bawled. Movie. i was like no they're gonna die but i don't want them to because now all of a sudden i care about them what the hell the balls that disney had doing that <laughs> i mean and they like i didn't expect them to do it and they did it they just killed everyone. And I was like, and then they had one of the fucking best Darth Vader scenes that I've ever witnessed. And Darth Vader's on screen for maybe what? I don't know, four or five minutes in that movie. And like he, that ending scene with Darth Vader made him like absolutely like frightening again. It used to be you were scared of Darth Vader and then, you know, and then uh, someone named Hayden Christensen came along and as much as I love Hayden Christensen, do you? He uh, didn't make Darth Vader really that scary, and so I was happy to see that like pivot back to like Darth Vader being like this terrifying force again. I don't know. 
I, it's so funny. I, I grew up around Star Wars. Like, my dad and brother are just obsessed with it. But for some reason, I never understood everyone's hatred for the prequels or, like, why they hated Padme and Anakin's relationship. The writing. And then as I got older, I think, like, a few years ago, I just kind of kind of binged watched them a little bit with Lane. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Anakin really is, like, a straight-up sociopath. And Padme's eating it up. And she's just like, wow, that's wrong, but I love you. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, it's very toxic, actually. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> he's like, why can't we just force people to do the things we want to do? And she's like, because that's not democracy. And he's like, well, to help democracy. And she's like, let's get married. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Um... Oh, another thing that's weird, too, that we can talk about. Uh, Ryan Murphy has unveiled a, um, his new cast for American Horror Stories, which is um, an American Horror Story spinoff. Very confusing. We talked about this a little bit before the show started. Um, you know, I honestly don't mind the casting, though. That's the thing about this. Uh, you have Kevin McHale from Glee. You have Poe's actor, Dylan Burnside, Riverdale's Charles Melton, which... Oh my God, Charles Milton. I absolutely love that man. Um, and then you also have Nico Greeson. I'm not sure uh, he's from the prom. I don't think I'm familiar with him at all. But um, yeah, he confirmed um, that casting in an Instagram post. And he captioned the photo, the Fantastic Four. But nothing's really known about this upcoming anthology series that's a spinoff of the anthology series. I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this again, but there's nothing set in stone as far as, you know, what's actually going on with the plot. No details have been revealed, but during the May upfronts FX chairman, John Langriff gave an update on the anthology series, approximate premiere date. Um, the series is going to probably premiere sometime in July on Hulu and will conclude finally on Halloween. So, I guess it's prime time for a show like that, but again, what are you doing with this show? The the other American Horror Stories already an anthology, so why did we need an anthology spin-off series? An anthology no of an anthology. I know. I'm like, okay, like the casting fine. Like you I'm I'm good with the casting. I don't know about you, but uh as far I as if we needed like it. anybody. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't watch uh, Glee, and I don't watch Riverdale. I don't really watch, like, teen stuff like that. I, I don't know. I was just never someone that was into it. I tried watching Glee, but there's too much acapella for me. Mm. So, I don't know. I didn't I didn't recognize anyone. I don't know. This really is Charles gonna... Melton's from um, American Horror Story, though. He, he, he was on American... He? Yeah. Uh, he was on, let me see, let me get what specific. With Looks like- which anthology of the anthology, that's a spinoff of the anthology, was he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, it looks like he was in season five. So what was season five? Was what's, that, um. What's the episode name of the first episode of that season? Uh, I would have to go look. It's too much for me to go look. It wants me to go back through all of... Oh, my God. Hang on. I can figure this out. Episode guide. 
Why is IMDb like this on uh Hey, now's not desktop. the time to get on the hero like that. No. It's uh, checking in. Oh, so it's hotel. Okay, so it's hotel. So he was on hotel. Okay. So he was already, and he was actually on Glee too. So uh, as a no one, but uh, he still was on Glee. So, so I mean, like, is this going to be like, typically with, <laughs> with spinoffs of shows, they usually try to dive further into a storyline that they were possibly a little brief on throughout the main show. Like, I know um, Breaking Bad spinoff is Better Call Saul. Oh. Mm. Magnificent. Magnificent. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you don't really so. know Saul Goodman all that well. You just kind of focus on his caseload with Walter and, and Jesse. So they made a spinoff show going over his other cases because he's not a criminal lawyer. He's a criminal lawyer. And so, like, are they just going to go bouncing back and forth from each season of this show and just kind of dive further into, like, some of the storylines that they had within those? Or, you know, like, mm. what what are they going to do? Because it's, like, like we said, it's weird to have a spinoff on an anthology series because it's not like there was any specific storyline that wasn't already thoroughly covered within these. So it's just, it's just weird. And also let's note too, that it's uh, supposedly premiering in July and we have no trailer. We have no details. We have no promotional images. We have nothing, which is usually not a good sign when we're about a month out from something releasing. So uh, I guess we'll find out shortly in about a month, whether or not that uh, if this is worth checking out, I'm probably not going to watch it anyway. But because uh, I haven't watched American Horror Story, I've tried to dip back into it. It's and hard. It is really hard. Like I tried, you know, 1984. Um, and honestly, I didn't care for it as a slasher series. I think there are, are much better examples, even like slasher on sci-fi or like, uh, um. What are a couple of other good, like, other than, like, obviously Scream the TV series, but there have been a few, like, really solid, like, uh, oh, uh, Harper's Island. There have been a really few, like, really good, like, bunch of slasher-based TV shows that have actually worked, and 84 just seemed like a bad example of that, that was trying to capitalize on, you know, 80s nostalgia. Don't forget... July 2nd, we get our uh, series premiere of I Know What You Did last summer, too. Oh, we also have Fear Street that day. Mm-hmm. So July's going to be a little busy. And yeah, you'd think 1984 would be like my jam for the season of American Horror. It, it fizzled out so quick. It was kind of annoying, actually. Like, I, I wanted to like it, and I just couldn't. And so I stopped watching again. Yeah, so. it's just... It's it's a hard show to love after the first what like two three seasons. Yeah, uh, that that haunted house season, the first one was iconic though. Like, oh my god, that that was good stuff. I'm um, still willing to watch that one over yeah. and over. I don't care. Yeah, it's it's a it's really good. Um, yeah, that's that's about all we got for news. Other than you know some HBO Max stuff, they have an ad supported tier that they introduced. 
um, that they were talking about a couple months ago, and then they finally just rolled it out. But uh, for anyone looking for that um, $9.99 ad-supported tier on HBO Max, you're not going to get your same-day releases. So in the Heights that's coming out this week, sorry about it. Like, if you jump down to that $9.99 tier instead of the $14.99 tier, you're not getting In the Heights on HBO Max. That's only for the premium subscription, just so you know. So if you're wanting to pay less for HBO, that means also that, you know, you're not going to get certain benefits like that, which, if you're going back out to the theaters anyway, is totally fine, and you don't need it. But that's basically it. And then Tom Cruise getting mad and shutting production down again because someone tested positive for COVID on his set. He takes it very seriously, which, I mean, honestly, kudos. Good, but... good. Yeah, well, I mean, at least he's being consistent. So, um, but yeah, that's that's about uh, that's about it for the news this week. Yeah. So we're gonna take another break. We're gonna come back, and you know what time it is, Linda? It's box office projection time. We're gonna talk what happened with the Conjuring Three, and we're also going to talk about In the Heights and what that may do at the box office. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theboroughreviews.com. If you like indie movies, or blockbuster movies, and anything in between, really, on our site you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Borough. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theboroughreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, welcome to this week's box office projection. And first, you know how we like to do things here on the Into the Borough podcast, even though that we've only been doing this for like two weeks now. Um, we are going to talk some numbers about The Conjuring 3, and we're going to talk some numbers with In the Heights. But first, I want to get to The Conjuring 3, because last week, Linda, you had said $26 million for The Conjuring 3, and I said $25 million. Just so everyone knows before going into this news story here, The Conjuring, the way <gasps> do it, set out a scare um, with A Quiet Place Part 2 this weekend at the domestic box office with an estimated three-day gross of $25 million in just over 3,000 screens. Um, so not to say I told you so. You were close. You were close. You were only $1 million off. Um but so far, uh, how this is shaping up, Linda got last week with her projection for A Quiet Place 2, and um, this past weekend, I won with uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So, um, we are one for one. Uh, what about rounding? Because <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt it made 23 mil on the dot. 
um, well, it didn't make twenty five million. Yeah, estimated. It's, it's an estimated. I bet you if you rounded, you would probably have to round up to twenty six mil. So let, let's take a look and crunch in your nerd calculator those numbers, and then we'll talk. <laughs> uh, your, um, I work at a movie theater. I know the math. I do the math. I do the math. <laughs> Big man with your with your college degrees over there doing. Math. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, actually the, the really like exciting part of this story is that every time you get Patrick Wilson and Vera Famiga back to reprise, um, the Lorraines or the Lorraines, Jesus, the Warrens, (laughs) every time you get them to reprise their role as the Warrens, um, they seem to do better at the box office because it actually made more, um, in this hall with uh, limited seating capacity still, y'all. So this is still going on where, you know, screens are still kind of taking out seats and putting buffers in for COVID. And it still managed to make more than the last Annabelle film. So Annabelle Comes Home debuted at $20 million. This uh, came in at $25 million. So it did better than Annabelle Comes Home. And I guess the Warrens were in Annabelle Comes Home for like two seconds. Oh, it um, wasn't two seconds. They had at least two or three scenes. Okay, fine. But like comparatively, and, they and weren't Lorraine in Warren it. had this like huge, like very depressing monologue near the end. Like they, they. That's a really solid movie. That is a better movie than The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. I one hundred percent. I don't want to talk. I really don't want to review this one because I don't want. It's just gonna say hurt. <laughs> okay, I liked Annabelle Comes Home. I I liked it even before this. I don't know why it gets so much hate. I I don't know. I liked it. I don't know what it was about it that I liked so much, especially since Patrick Wilson, like you said, was only in for two seconds. But yeah. I liked it. I don't know. And then this one comes out, and my heart hurts. It hurts, and I don't want to review it. Cause I don't want to. I don't want to share my opinions on this movie. I don't. I can't do that to Patrick Wilson, Jared. I can't do it. I'm sorry. You. Yeah. You're. You're gonna have to. I don't wanna. You're gonna have to eventually talk about it, even if it's not on the podcast, even if it's not in a video review. You're gonna have to. Where do it's. Okay, so as we all know, The Conjuring centers around a family with a haunting issue of some sort. And then the Warrens come in and save the day. That's kind of like the formula for The Conjuring Mm -hmm. movies. And you know what? It works because, you know, James Wan managed to make it fresh and it's... It's decent. It works. And with this one, they put a lot more focus on the Warrens, which in a way is fantastic because, let's face it, who couldn't use more Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga? They're amazing. And, you know, it's Patrick Wilson. Let's, let's, you know. However, it made me not care about the family at all. Like, you have their brief moments of humility and you know who they are but you just don't give a shit and i think that really kind of killed that buzz a little bit and like you said like like we talked about earlier you were right it it really started off with a bang like it started off in the middle 
of the problem, which was very refreshing. And it, it really sped up the whole process, but it didn't give you a whole lot to finish with. And yeah, it was just the I, I think the biggest issue was uneven pacing and you could just tell it just wasn't really a conjuring movie. No, it, it, it gave you the same like vibes. Yeah, no, it gave you the same vibes as you would get from like the Nun or the Annabelle movies. It wasn't a conjuring movie. And honestly, the biggest highlight was the fact that the Warrens were in it, but that was about it. Yeah. There is some um good work that that was done on the conjuring, you know. I think I think most of the acting is spot on, right? Like from everyone uh julian hillard the little kid is being tormented again they don't give him nearly as much to do though they should have given him so much more although i will say like you know the problem that we start with him is really interesting and you know the the blood in the shower and like all of that the bits and parts at the very beginning of this movie with him being tormented is uh actually frightening um, but I think it goes back to having already seen him be tormented by things like this in the haunting of Hill like, house. Stop it. And it's like, stop it. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, like I get it. <laughs> Little kid scared of big ghost. Uh, you know, that's fine. But, um, for me, like the, the, what worked really well, I guess, is the fact that Ed and Lorraine were together for a lot of this movie and it was a lot of heavy dialogue between those two um or at least between you know one of them and someone else and uh Lorraine like really like takes the reins as usual she usually does usually take the reins um but she she really like grabs the reins here and like takes hold of the film and her outfit so I I do want to say that costume department here, fantastic job because they show actual footage of, you know, Lorraine Warren at the very end of the movie and she's got the big poofy hair. She's got her like, you know, dress in her blouse and it really like, it really like points to the fact that the costuming is trying to stay very consistent with how Lorraine actually dressed. And so I've got to give the costume department you know, props for that. And then, you know, there are some bits and parts of the conjuring, uh, the devil made me do it where I was like, yeah, more of that. I could do that. For instance, the whole, uh, and I won't go into spoilers here, but the whole thing with the gazebo. Lovely. Aww, that is so lovely. So cute. And it's cute. And I'm like, damn it. Like that is, it shouldn't be in the conjuring movie, but it's, mm, but it's good. Like, damn it, why are you making me feel again? I know, can we go, like, can we get, like, um like a spinoff that's, that has nothing to do with ghosts or anything, and it's just them meeting and, like, falling in love, and, like, I would be there for it. I think it'd be super dope to have one where they work on their first case together, mm-hmm. and just kind of goes into the backstory of how they, like, met and fell in love. Like, they, they, they went over it, like, pretty well in this one, but I, I want more of that. I want yeah. more of their love and more of their story because it would mean another Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga movie. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> um, I don't care. I don't care that they're like getting older. 
I don't care if they're supposed to be teenagers during this time. It's going to be them dressed up as teenagers. I want Hmm. that. Yeah. Well, the critics are um, pretty much on our side uh, for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which means that it's probably going to have a high percentage drop-off next week. Um, It's second week at the box office. It will probably drop over 60% is my guess. So it's going to get taken down quite quickly. Um, I think A Quiet Place might even be able to keep up with it. Um, Maybe even surpass The Conjuring's total box office next weekend. Just because I think A Quiet Place 2 has more strength and has more legs at the box office than something like the conjuring does especially when it's um something like this where people are kind of lukewarm to it um but we also have in the heights next weekend and so real quick i wanted to get your opinion on where you think in the heights will eventually land um I'm struggling with this one, not going to lie, because, well, first of all, these last two weeks have been easier because they were sequels, mm-hmm. so it's better to kind of average that out. I'm not sure of the average box office total for musicals are. I would go to, in recent memory, I would go to something like La La Land, and I would estimate, obviously under that, um, I would I would estimate probably you know, 50 or um, 75% of La La Land's gross opening weekend is what I would imagine. Uh, And, you know, honestly, I don't even know La La Land's uh, box office gross. So um, let's see here. Box office mojo. It looks like... <laughs> made a that made so much money. Damn, they really made a lot of money with that film. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Domestic weekend. So its first weekend. Why is why is it not letting me find it? Usually, it's just like right there. Are you able to find it on your end there? Um. Oh, it like grossed less than million. No, it actually grossed less than a million dollars. It grossed eight hundred thousand dollars its opening weekend. Yeah, that that won't happen with this one. Um, why why so low? Holy shit! I oh, eight hundred eighty one thousand one hundred four. Okay, so that had just. It had legs because it surpassed 300 million at the box office. So word of mouth really caught wind on that movie and it took off. But uh, that usually doesn't happen like that. So La La Land's a bad example, I think. Um, ooh, you know, I I would say it's probably going to end up somewhere in the uh, 20 million dollar range, and so. I'm going to go with what I guessed last weekend for The Conjuring, which was 25, and I'm going to go 25 again. I'm going to go 24. Taking the under? Yeah. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like 
this movie, I mean, it could surpass it due to word of mouth, but I don't know. I just, I feel like I haven't been hearing about this movie, like, at all, unless we bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. You have a fair point. I think um, as far as, as, like, I guess audience perception goes in the Heights is really interesting because it it's going to be like the first movie that releases in the pandemic where I'm like, I can see all the theater kids going. I can see all the actual like younger demographic going to the movie because yeah. beforehand it's like, yeah, the conjuring fine. The horror fans will show up. The conjuring fans will show up a quiet place, you know, you know, you'll have a bunch of families. You'll have, a, you know, a very wide demographic for that movie. In the Heights is a much smaller def- demographic, but also we have to understand that it's a very loyal demographic. People turn out for musicals. They really do. They turn out for musicals. They turn out for family, you know, friendly films. And so while it's not hitting such a, a wide demographic of people, it is... um a demographic of people who consistently go out to the movie theaters and spend money. So that's kind of where my projections landing. I'm like, okay, like I can see it matching what the conjuring did for opening weekend, just because families, and it's really going to be the first like feel good movie that we return to the cinema with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a feel good story. It's, it's bright. It's poppy. Uh, Everyone's singing and dancing. Like it can't get much better than that. And for that reason, I think it'll have a pretty strong, you know, opening as far as people, people's interest to go see it anyway, I think will probably peak in week one, it'll probably have a sharp, you know, the second week decrease, um, just because we still are in the pandemic, I would say in back if if we went back to 2018 2017 2016 this probably would have had this would have been one of the movies that would have had legs for fucking weeks right like it would have just kept making money because people take their kids to see it people take their you know significant other to see it it's not a horror movie you're not scared so you know a lot more people are accepting of it but also um but also you're hitting that that very niche group of people that are musically inclined which I am not but I appreciate everyone who is so I think it's just an interesting mix but yeah in the heights is definitely probably the hardest one that we've had to try and predict um yeah I I don't know I don't know where we're going to end up there but uh it'll be interesting to see yeah it feels like, even if it was something like a remake, like the new West Side Story that's coming out, like, I don't know, I just... Oh, that'll make a fuck ton of money. Oh, that's coming oh, yeah. out on Christmas. No, that's easy money. Yeah, that, that they've secured a good opening date for that. Um, yeah. In the Heights is a much harder battle to, you know, to try and win because they are, they are in, like, what's considered now the, the new wave of <clears throat> cinema as far as post-COVID releases because there hasn't really been many releases as far as um as far as like you know actual like theatrical releases in the past year so i would say yeah we had godzilla versus kong and we had mortal kombat in april but honestly the real revival is happening right now and it started with a quiet place too i think you can look at a quiet place too and that is the defining moment when cinema came back um 
and when it consistently came back, right? Because remember, you had Godzilla versus Kong, and then Mortal Kombat kind of fell below that, and then everything else kind of fell under it. But now that A Quiet Place 2 came out, and The Conjuring exceeded expectations, and everything's starting to exceed expectations, I feel like this is the this is the time, this is the month where things kind of go back to normal, in a sense. So... Um, it's kind of exciting to see, but yeah, we'll see where In the Heights ends up so far. If you're keeping score at home, which you should be, um, we'll just do this monthly. So we'll have monthly like winners. Um, so we'll do In the Heights and then Fast and Furious. And after those four movies, uh, we'll determine who actually won that month. Um, but, uh, so far Linda has one and I have one for those keeping score. So are we going to tie it up? Or, or is one of us just gonna like just completely demolish the other? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't gonna say it, but if you're gonna admit it, then yeah, I might completely demolish you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is all for box office projection. So we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about what is streaming this weekend. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal, and it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. What's new to streaming, you ask? Well, let me tell you. We have Sweet Tooth on Netflix, which um, is about a deer boy, I guess. Uh, it's supposed to, I read the synopsis for this a few days ago and I, I had to reread it because I was like, dear boy, what? But it's a DC comic book adaptation and that's supposed to, um, it's like a post apocalyptic fable in a sense. Um, it's dystopian. It's about a hybrid race of people and a dear boy. And it premiered this past weekend. So you can go over to Netflix and watch Sweet Tooth. I don't know. The trailer looked kind of fun. Did you check it out at all? So Sweet Tooth is Lane's favorite comic book of all time. Mm -hmm. He loves that comic book. So he's very excited about this. He's he's been watching it. Um, so basically, from what I understand, because I had questions too, because I was like, did a man mm -hmm. get with a deer? Yeah. Like, asking questions I didn't want to ask. Basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So basically, this is a post-apocalyptic world, a virus type of situation. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these hybrids are mysteriously born. It's people who are like half human, half some kind of animal. And they don't know why they're hybrids, but they are somehow immune to the virus due to being a hybrid. So they're mm -hmm. kind of outcasts and they kind of have to live in secrecy. And this dear boy is Gus, who lives in the woods, and uh, he kind of gets like, um, don't know how spoilery this is, but it's Gus. 
He's the half deer, half boy. And so far, Lane really likes it. There are some casting issues that he has. Uh, but other than that, he's 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 enjoying he's it. Him. Yeah, he's Good. liking it. And honestly, like I've watched a little bit of it myself, and it's it's very intriguing and and nice. I like the special effects that they're doing for the hybrids. They're actually not that bad. Like his ears actually move, and they seem kind of mechanical. I think it might mm-hmm. be like puppet work, but it's it's cool and it's interesting. And it, I kind of want to watch. I kind of want to read the comic book, but I, I, I never really got around to it. But I, as long as Lane likes it, it's <laughs> as long as someone's happy with as it. As long as Lane is happy with his comic book show, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I guess I just applaud um, Netflix for producing as much content as they do, but also like really taking risks with some things because we would have never gotten a sweet tooth, like mainstream, you know, cinematic adaptation as far as, you know, theatrical like releases go. So the fact that we're even getting something like this on a streaming service that just goes to show you the benefit of streaming. But we also have uh, HBO max, uh, which did also put out the conjuring. The devil made me do it. So if you're curious about that movie, um, you know, you want to see the Warrens go at it again, you can go to HBO Max or you can find that in a theater near you. A New York Times called The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, quote, by far the most well-constructed, terrifying entry in the franchise. Okay, I don't know what fucking crack you're smoking, but you're wrong. You're wrong. That's bad journalism. That, that's fake news. Listen, listen, I don't like Donald Trump. But maybe he is right about the New York Times because I don't know what fucking writer they've got writing over at the New York Times for The Conjuring, but damn, he shouldn't have a job. Um, anyway. Wow. Well, like, seriously? Okay, I guarantee I- you it was a man. Hold on. Because I just, I, I need to see if a man wrote this article or not. And I think it's going to be paywalled, so I have to look real quick. No, it, it is a female that wrote it. Never mind, I take back all the shit I said. Um, no, I don't. She's still wrong. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, you can find that on HBO Max and in theaters, like I said. And then you also have Lizzie's story, which is um, something that Stephen King fans might like because it kind of dips into um, his love, I guess, for Tabitha King. Um, the show is somehow a testimony of how relevant Tabitha King is in Stephen King's life. Uh, says the director, and this is an Apple Plus show. Um, but Julian Moore stars as Lizzie, who is the widow of a pro- prolific writer and a character that um, nods heavily, like I said earlier, to Tabitha King. So it's very much something that uh, is very personable um, and also very personal. So both personable and personal to Stephen King. And so I feel like... If you're a fan of Stephen King, you might like this. I'm not going to watch it, but have at it, Haas. Do any of those interest you? I mean, you watched one of them. Lane's watching Sweet Tooth. Are you Are you going to check out? I know you like Stephen King. Are you going to check out Lizzie's story? No. 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 I, I love know. Julian it's... Moore, too, but eh. eh. Seems a little soapy for me. I don't, I don't want it. Same. 
I mean, I already watched The Conjuring. If you really don't have anything to watch in your spare time, go ahead and take a look at this new Conjuring movie because it was okay. Uh, but I'm I'm mostly excited for Sweet Tooth. Like I said, I watched bits and pieces of it. And from what I saw, it really wasn't bad. In fact, it kind of kept me up because it caught my attention. And it's it's a very different storyline. So it's it's intriguing. And it, I guess I'd rather watch that than The Contrary. I, <laughs> I just, I'd rather I'm so sad. Go watch, go watch Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix. Um, it's fantastic. It's written, directed produced edited shot all by bo burnham uh and it is magnificent in terms of like editing and pacing and like it seems so sporadic but at the same time everything is so purposeful and um it's really just masterful work and so i would encourage you to watch that over something like the conjuring um so if you're bored watch that and not that inside no 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 conjuring inside uh <laughs> yeah but the thing is is that oh god you're gonna really not like me i'm not really a huge fan of bo burnham i don't know everyone says he's like the <laughs> okay so the borough reviews is looking for a new host with jared <laughs> did you did you ever did you ever get around to watching eighth grade no well See, I think before you start on the, I never really, that's okay. You don't need to watch Bo Burnham's comedy. Go watch Eighth Grade. It's his directorial debut. Has Elsie Fisher. Magnificent movie. He's a great, great, great director. I'm actually, he's probably one of the best directors working today. Just my opinion. But uh, I know, and I realize he's only made one movie. I get it too now, if you include this Netflix special. But still, I but think... in terms of comedy? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, see, you can have an opinion about the comedy because Are I think sure? his comedy is... Are you sure? Because you look yeah. slightly no, no, offended. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, I get, I get that his comedy isn't for everyone, but I really enjoy it. And, you know, comedy is even more subjective than I think films are, to be I quite honest. Uh, everyone fair. has different tastes. And so I, you know... I can yeah. forgive, I can overlook the comedy thing as long as you acknowledge that he's a good director. So Fine, you can keep liking the comedy that's not really funny and I'll go check out it. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, and that, uh, that that's wow, a Wow, I need a nap. I'm getting you, a little cranky. <laughs> you're getting a little cranky, your throat hurts. I am fine. Okay, Jared thinks I'm sick, but I'm not you, sick. You sound sick. I'm like sick. <laughs> you, you're like sick, but you're not sick. <laughs> but I'm not like <laughs> sick, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, that's it. That's it. I'm cutting it off there. Uh, thank you so much for watching and or listening, everyone. Make sure to subscribe to the Burrow Reviews on your favorite podcast provider. We're on all the major directories. Also, go over to patreon.com slash Reviews and help support us there. You get a video version of the podcast that is uploaded to Patreon weekly over there. So I highly encourage if you like this podcast, you want the video version, you want to see me make a bunch of hand movements like this at the camera, uh, 
Kuchnia, go over to patreon.com and it'll be there. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening and have a good day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>